Well, it's good to give thanks unto the Lord. Amen. To praise his holy name. To lift him up on high. He is worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. There's nothing to be ashamed or afraid of in praising God. Amen. It's always comely for the upright in heart. So as long as we're offering it up to him, it's a good thing. So we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of praising you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Do you have that queued up? I thought I would refresh everybody in last year's prophecy at the beginning of the year uh, because it's still a mandate from heaven. Um, <clears throat> I think God's doing some things. He's always doing some things. And he's always moving us to greater glory. Uh, causing us to conform more to the image of Christ. And that's a good thing always. But I think in order for us to meet God's requirement, He is, is allowing us the freedom to obey Him. Amen. He's not holding anybody's feet to the fire. He's not twisting anybody's arm. But He expects obedience from His people. And one of the things that he mandated for 2021 was total surrender. And, you know, I'll hear people mentioning prophecies and, oh, yeah, I remember when we had this and we had, but I don't remember anybody saying, oh, yeah, last year we had, <laughs> you know, because it's not popular, you know, many times. I mean, that God requiring things from us is, is never, never a popular message. We like prophecies that tell us what we're going to receive. Amen. And you will receive, but there is a requirement. He can't bless us on top of what he can't bless. Amen. And so I know there are some of us who are walking through it, the uh, the process of total surrender and understanding why that's necessary, understanding why God requires certain things from us. And then some of us are kind of sitting on the edge of the water. What, what do I just surrender? What do I need to do? What do I, you know, I've given you everything already. You know, like the disciples when Peter said, oh, we've left everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I got still got my pinstripe suit. You understand what I'm saying? And so I think it's good to, and, and to be honest with you, the Lord hasn't given me anything different for this year. I mean, not saying that he won't or he can't, but I'm always mindful of the fact that we have obedience yet to fulfill in him. Every day, it's a total surrender thing. So take up your cross daily and follow me. So I thought I would have uh, us listen to it, uh, the audio from last year, so that you'll get an understanding. God still requires. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Uh, well, this will be a, a year like no other year. And I just believe the Lord has that. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, the Lord does have a word for us that this uh, is going to be a year like none other, says the Lord. A year like no other year. 
it will be marked by total surrender of things that would hinder your walk with me, says the Lord. That I, I am demanding total surrender, not just from my church and my people, but I am demanding total surrender of all things that I command be let go of, says the Spirit of the Lord. And those who will surrender totally to me will rise up in a surrendered power. The power that I surrender to you will be greater than what you ever give to me, says the Lord. For I am the one who disarms you of the things that would harm you, says the Lord. I only disarm the things that harm, says the Lord. And when I disarm you, Lord, says the Lord, you will find yourself rising up in mighty power, says the Lord. The mighty power that I have for my church will be dispensed to those who will comply with my command of total surrender, says the Spirit of the living God. For what I have for you is not going to be subject to mixture. It will not be adulterated with the whims of man. Uh, the dictates of man, the things of the world, the likes of the world, the dislikes of the world, says the Lord. But it will be pure and it will be holy and it will come from above, <clears throat> says the Lord. So with this being a year like no other year, says the Lord, this will be a year of the miraculous. This will be a year of the uh, unshakable, uh, says the Lord. For I am demanding in, in this total surrender, I am getting you to trade in your weak faith for my strong faith, says the Lord. I will demand things out of my people that I've never demanded before, says the Lord. You will stand before destruction and you will, you will watch it fall around you, says the Lord, as you rise up in my mighty power. But it comes through total surrender to me, says the Lord. So let this be a marking to you, says the Lord, that this day as you hear my word, you will find yourself growing on the inside, says the Lord. You will find yourself getting bigger on the inside than you have ever been before, says the Spirit of God. And this is my strong man rising up in you, the power of the Holy Spirit spirit that is an overcoming power and it will cause you to face down giants it will cause you to subdue enemies it will cause you to ride upon the high places says the spirit of the living god but it will require something of you says the lord and what i have you give up will not be anything in comparison to what i will release into your life says the spirit of the lord things that have troubled you for decades and years you will get answers to immediately. You will see problems that have come before you time and time again flee at, at the sight of the anointing and the power that comes from your word, says the Spirit of God. So understand this, that this is my doing, says the Lord. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. This is my doing, and people will marvel at it, says the Lord. Those who have thought that you were um, a minor player and, and not significant will be at awe, says the Spirit of the living God. But understand that their awe is coming from my Spirit working through you and not from you, says the Lord. And this is where you're marking, says the Lord, that you will understand that you will feel this mighty might and this giant presence come inside of you this day at the hearing of my word says the lord for that is your spirit man and he is growing according to my will and according to my recommendation in your life says the spirit of the living god thank you lord thank you lord praise you jesus
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A year like no other. A year like no other. A year like no other is what I have planned for my people, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace that we might find uh, favor, mercy, grace to help us, whatever we need, Father. It's graciously given to us at your throne. And we thank you that you have allowed our presence here beside you before you and we honor you today lord and we love you and we thank you lord to open up our understanding open up your word break the bread of life for us that we might partake of it that we might feed on your word and receive what you have for us this day in jesus name amen and praise god amen and amen again amen so i thought today we talk some about uh how to be strong in faith. Amen. How to be strong in faith. Uh, because it, there is a, a way to receive the things that God has for us. Um, don't ever think that because you haven't received it yet, it's not coming. Amen. In process. Now, sister, you're going to have to let me do this, okay? All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. It pulls me off, you know, sometimes when, when people speak out abruptly kind of makes my thoughts wander a little bit so if you can help me out there i sure would appreciate it so so god wants us to know that if we will work on developing our faith let him work on providing what we're believing for so we can't we can't do it or we'd have it already or we wouldn't be praying and we wouldn't be believing god so really what he is is desiring for us to receive is our full inheritance of of material things spiritual things all things you know he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness but that inheritance also includes an inheritance of faith so so uh, that faith really is a spiritual force that is necessary for us to connect to god and connect to his kingdom. And and he has provided the right faith for us to do everything. Um, I know sometimes we when you read in the, the Bible, you'll see uh, Jesus uh, making reference to uh, people's faith. You know, little faith. Where is your faith? Um, I have not seen so great faith. You know, he'll he'll make remarks about. Uh, the, the, I guess you could say the quality of the faith that people are operating in. That's not really a criticism and it's not a judgment against anybody. It's an observation. See, if I say, uh, you know, Miss Wanda has on a black jacket, it's not a criticism. It's an observation. Amen. Now, there are some people that hear criticism in that. Depends on what your ears are full of. 
See, if your ears are full of criticism and judgment, everything you hear will have that flavor to it, will have that tint to it. And so many times Jesus would make observations and when we read them, because we read them with a different mind that he had, we pick up something different. So when we see him talking about the disciples who have little faith, he's not criticizing and and putting them down and saying, your faith is no good. He's just observing that their faith is not doing the job that is required at that time. But that is not to say that their faith won't measure up at some point. And, and it's the same thing with us. Now, when Jesus walked the earth and was, was working with the disciples, remember the, the little boy that the father said he, the devil would throw him in the fire and they couldn't cast the devil out. And Jesus said, how long will I have to put up with this? Well, that's not an indictment against them, nor is it a frustration on his part. What he was alluding to was that your faith will not be adequate until I get to go to the cross and release a strong faith to you, your full inheritance of faith. So really, we can't judge ourselves by any of the things that he he would point out as observations of the quality of faith of disciples or anybody else that walked the earth at that time. You got me? Because it wasn't complete. Their faith was not complete until he gave his life at Calvary. Then the full inheritance came. So then they were, what we receive when we're born again is not the faith that the disciples had when they walked the earth. It wasn't the same faith that Peter had when he got out, walked on water and then walked back in the boat. It's, they were operating in faith that they could, could gather together for that moment and that time based on what they believed that they had and what, what they believed that Jesus told them. For instance, when they would go out in ministry, there was a faith and an anointing, a package deal that put them in a realm where they could meet needs. As long as they were there praying for people to meet needs, the job got done. But then they came down. When Jesus came down for the Mount Transfiguration, there they're bumbling and stumbling over. And they wonder why it used to work and it doesn't. So faith can also vary according to your preparation of your spirit and your heart for certain things. We know this. Jesus told them that 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 kind could come out by nothing but prayer and fasting, which was their unbelief that for somehow they slipped over into unbelief when they went to do the ministry on this young man. See, Part of it was that Jesus had not released them. Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. So it's no there's no sense that he gave them any specific instruction for how to minister to that kid while he was gone. Then when when Jesus was questioned about why John's disciples fasted and his didn't, 
What did he tell him? He said, as long as the bridegroom is with you, there's no fasting, but there will come a time when I'm not here and you will fast. So in his absence for three days, for them to get rid of their unbelief, they should have been what? Absolutely. So there's an answer to everything to get you in the right level of faith. I say all that to say there is a method for us to get the right kind of faith and the right level of faith. It has to do with Jesus' completed work on the cross, number one. You have to be born again, spirit-filled. You have to have every equipment that, that God paid for us to receive and is released to us. And then we have the inheritance of what we call the Abraham brand of faith. So instead of us looking at at the disciples' level of faith or uh, the centurion's faith or uh, the woman with the issue of blood, her faith, we have to wipe all of that aside and say, now we've come into our inheritance of faith. Because none of the disciples had inherited the faith that they would have after Jesus went to the cross. So when you get your inheritance of faith in order to judge what that faith will do and get examples of what that faith will do, you got to look at who you inherited it from. And Galatians says that we are heirs with Christ, joint heirs, but we are also descendants of Abraham by faith. Amen. So we really inherit the Abraham brand of faith. This is a different faith than you've seen in anybody in the Bible. And this is the faith that scares us. Well, I know it scares me. Huh? Hundred-year-old people having babies? That's a scary proposition. See, that's why we kind of skip over. You know, we start looking, what kind of faith do I have? And what can my faith do? And we look at everybody but him. And that's where we should look. Because that's what we have. Amen. That's why Jesus could say things that are impossible with man are possible with God. With God, all things are possible. All things. So there's nothing that's off limits for us. As long as you find it in the word and you hide that word in your heart and you believe what you you read and, and you receive from God, nothing is impossible to us. If If our faith... In God doesn't quite do it, then the Holy Spirit comes in and, and supplements and augments and, and, and begins to undergird what we have faith-wise. They're the gifts of the Spirit. There's a gift of faith that can come along and help you and make you know that nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely. Gift of faith oftentimes will operate on your words. And you'll find things will manifest pretty much immediately if you have the courage and the boldness to utter them. See, that's why I say the Abraham brand kind of scares you. Because you'll hear something come out of your mouth and you want to go pull that back in here. I didn't mean who said that? <laughs> huh? Who said that? <laughs> I remember when, uh, uh, my, um, my late husband's parents 
his father had passed away, I think, the previous year. And his mom was very sick in the hospital. And they were really, really bad drinkers. And she had uh, found a little neighbor who could go to the store for her and get her beer and get her whatever. She was just, she used to stay, she drank 24-7. Well, she had done that when he, her husband was alive, but now, you know, it seemed to be worse. And she had, we had gone over to see her and I was just kind of shocked at the condition that she was in. She had swelling all over. You could tell probably there was some liver involvement. A lot of fluid retention and, and she looked, you know, jaundiced and, and just, and so we got her into the hospital. And, uh, when we went to visit her later that day, she was in a coma and, um, her eyes were, you know, you know how the devil will do you. He'll just make the worst appearance of things. And so my husband was nervous and you know, upset and not knowing what to do and how does she get like this. And and out of my mouth came these words. I said, don't worry about it. I said, tomorrow when we come in, she'll be sitting up talking to you. You understand? And that wasn't like something to cheer somebody. You don't say stuff like that to cheer people up. You understand what I'm saying? You just are trying to obey God the best you can. But, you know, God will have you voice things. Amen. That, that will put a, a calm in the atmosphere and a peace in people's hearts so that he can work. Amen. And sure enough, we came in the next day. She was sitting up talking to us. Amen. Amen. She improved a little bit after that, but uh, and within a couple of months, she had passed away. And I was new to the things of God and, and praying for everybody that I could pray for to be saved. Everybody had to get saved. Nobody's going to hell. Nobody's. And I wondered about his parents because they were drinkers. You know, they didn't go to church. You know, I mean, you just don't know about people. So when you don't know, you pray. And you ask God for his best. And that is not anybody would perish, but all come to repentance. And I remember going to her room one afternoon and uh, just as I was coming into the room, I could hear this little teeny voice. And she was, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. It was a voice I'd never heard come out of her before. And the Lord said, that's her infant spirit man crying out for the Savior. See, this will get you past your religion and your Roman road and your this and your that. And they got to read this track and repeat after me. See, this, this, these experiences will get you past that. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be, hello. You understand what I'm saying? Salvation. It was the same thing with his dad. Um, he, we didn't know, you know, you couldn't talk to him. He was, you know, adamant and, and, you know, prideful and all those things. And I just kept saying, God, I said, you know, if, if I can't witness to him, I said, get somebody to witness to him. Send somebody. I don't care who it is, you know. And I went in one day at a different time that I usually go. It was like in afternoon, like noon. And I walk in the room and there's a woman sitting there. It, you know, in the visitor's chair. 
And she said, oh, are you his daughter-in-law? And I said, yeah. I said, who are you? And she told me, she said, so I'm a childhood friend of his. She said, I work over here at the college, and I just come over on my lunch hour. You understand what I'm saying? God will do it, folks. God will do it. And it's got to be done. If you If you believe God, these things must be done. So the Abraham brand of faith believes for the impossible. Yeah, I couldn't lead either of them to the Lord. They don't listen to, you know, people, (laughs) the children or the, you know, any of that. And, and if you don't have a good relationship to begin with, you start witnessing, talking about the Lord, that'll end what little relationship you have. So you got to depend on God. This job is bigger than any of us. Amen. So don't feel like you're you're always the one. You're the one to believe. But God can use anybody he wants to use to get his work done. Amen. And sometimes he has to bypass some of us to get it done. We're so bound up in you know the past and I don't like me no way and it ain't no good at all of that personal stuff. You don't think God's bigger than your shortcomings? He is. This is his salvation belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us. Now we can participate and do our part, but it belongs to him. Amen. It really, really does. And, and so, but the Abraham brand of faith, we, we need to talk about that some because that's the faith, really, correctly speaking, that we have. We don't have Peter's faith, you know, that starts out and runs back. We have the Abraham brand that sustains, that gets out there and keeps going. Amen? And so when we when you think about what God has given us in our inheritance of faith, it's pretty powerful. This faith can do anything. It's the faith of the Son of God. Amen? So faith is our door to the supernatural of God. It's your door to the supernatural of God. And Romans 4, if you go there, I'll start in verse 1. It says, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he would have something to glory of, but not before God. So nobody's works stand as righteous before God. Amen. So what saith the scripture? It said Abraham believed God. And then that faith was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. So if you're going to do your own thing and expect God to honor it, you're just digging a hole for yourself. Amen. You get more and more indebted the more you try to do these things yourself. He says, but to him that works not but believes on him. That justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. So if you put your trust in God. What this is saying. God will justify you by trusting in him. 
by putting your faith in him. That justifies you. How does that happen? Because there becomes a transfer of his faith onto your life. You get a transfer of his faith onto your words. You get a transfer of his faith onto your heart and in your spirit. So really, you have traded in your faith when you say, God, I thank you for healing me, and I believe that I receive my healing right now. You have just exchanged your ability to believe for his ability to believe. That's what makes it righteous. It's not yours anymore, it's his. And it's resting on your life to accomplish the things that you need to have accomplished by faith. That's why sometimes you can go for days in your life. It just works. You ever have like at least a good day like that? Or then with two are strung together, you say, man, I must have died and went to heaven. Amen. Because you're you're consistently walking in his faith. You're walking as a justified person. So you're not justified by, I'm trying to do everything right, and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. It's, it, you, forget it. You got me? That's a losing proposition right there. But, you know, it's like, God, I may not be doing everything right, but I'm trusting you. Can you help me? <laughs> Amen. Can you help me trade in my flimsy faith for your, my wavering faith, my wobbling faith, my... Broke down faith, my sometime faith, my unholy faith, my <laughs> Swiss cheese faith with holes in it, my Thomas's faith, trying to see everything first and then believe. Huh? <laughs> so when you think about it like that, it's easy to let go and put your trust and confidence in God and leave it there. Amen. Oftentimes we put it in there, but then we go back and take it back again. (laughs) But faith in God is your door to the supernatural of God. Amen. So it says here, even also as David describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. He says, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. That's where you step into the God kind of faith. Amen. And whose sins are covered. Amen. Our sins are not only covered, but they are purged. We have been cleansed. We have been purged. Sins been removed. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen. Does this blessedness come then upon the circumcision only or the uncircumcision also? So here was the great debate. Is this, is this covenant just for the Jews or can anybody enter into it? And he says, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. But then how was it reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So when God first met Abraham, he considered, when when Abraham believed God the first time they met, he was considered righteous. Twelve years later, he got circumcision. So the circumcision did nothing to enhance his righteousness except it was obedience by faith 
for the instruction of God. So circumcision then became a sign that people trusted God. The males in the family were circumcised and they were considered the heads of the family or representative before God of the family. And so that sign of circumcision was a voluntary cutting into covenant of their flesh, but they still had to do it by faith. If you were just circumcised by works, you got me, there's no covenant there. But you had to do it by faith and understanding this means that I trust God and this is my constant reminder that this was for me and my seed and my seed seed. And that's what that circumcision was for. In mocking, they would circumcise their enemies sometimes. But that didn't bring them into covenant with God. Amen? So so it was a a sign of the enemy submitting to them. It was a a a humiliation on the enemy to be circumcised. You got me? They usually did it in war. Like when David brought the foreskins of the Philistines. Amen. As a trophy. Amen. It was that these men had submitted even to the cutting of their flesh against their will. Kind of thing. But see with us, the circumcision now is a circumcision of the heart. Where God has has taken the toughness out of our hearts. Taken the, the hard skin off so that we could circulate, bring life to us, pump, all that stuff. Amen. 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 If, if you know the the heart's a pretty resilient muscle. It beats from the day you're born till the day you die, you know? And if there weren't if the, the sack around it weren't flexible, you know, then now there there are conditions that are, are grave uh for for people who have what they they call you know what it's called Miss Pat when that that membrane the pericardium gets stiff and it won't allow the heart to contract but that's a terminal condition because there's nothing they can do you can't ever soften that skin around your heart they can give you some meds that will kind of increase the output or something like that but if that but see our hearts have been circumcised. Why? So the blood of Jesus can flow through our veins, through our bodies, bringing life, bringing new life, amen, and bringing uh, health and, and taking away impurities out of our lives, amen? And it brings eternal life to us, amen? That blood transfusion we got at Calvary is is eternal. It just goes on forever and ever and ever, Amen? And so God has given us newness. Amen. He has given us all of that through the work of the cross, of the cross. So he says, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven and covered and all that. Abraham was not reckoned righteousness when he circumcised himself. He was reckoned righteous when he believed. So then faith puts you in a higher covenant than circumcision. That's why circumcision was done away with. It was weak because it was carried out through the flesh. Amen. And so God now has a stronger covenant 
based on the original faith of Abraham when God came into his life and he considered him righteous simply because he believed. We've got to get that in us. That we're righteous simply because we believe. Now, can you believe and do nothing? James says you can't. There's an action, a corresponding action to your faith. When you hear the gospel the first time, if you believe in your heart that that Jesus died for your sins, you've got to at some point follow that up with a confession. Huh? You've got to confess with your heart that what you believe. So faith has to always be followed up by action, but it cannot be preceded by action. See, if you put the action ahead of the faith, you won't get it. That's why many times when we we labor over getting results from God and answers from God, we labor because we're trying to put the work ahead of the faith. See, just stop buying your Bible for a good 15 or 20 minutes sometime, and that will do, do you wonders compared to trying to confess your way into something that you, unless confession is a way to enhance your faith. See, it's all a matter of getting your faith in a place where it can start working miracles for you. Your faith can start doing wonders in your life. Your faith can start uh, enhancing what you have. Your faith can do the miraculous. But it's all about getting your faith to that point. Amen. And, and continuing to respect your faith and strengthen your faith. Do the things that are conducive to your faith. Not things that will harm your faith or cause it to go dormant. Amen. Wanting to do just enough is the biggest enemy of the believer. I'm going to throw that in for free. Wanting to do just enough is the biggest enemy of the believer. It doesn't even match up with what Jesus did for us. He didn't do just enough. He did the ultimate. Gave his life for his enemies. We weren't even friends then. You understand what I'm saying? So, so there has to be an equal sacrifice on our part at some point for us to get our, to a place where our faith will work like it did for Abraham. Abraham did many things that pleased God. He did just like we do. We do some stuff that don't please God just like he did. You know, we shouldn't point the finger and capitalize on, on his mistakes. Because he did many things that please God. Amen. Because he's the father of us all. So he must have done a lot of things right. Amen. And he did. And so it says here. He says. And he says here. And he received the sign of circumcision. Verse 11. A seal, seed, the, a seal of the righteousness of the faith that he had yet being uncircumcised. So he had that faith. While he was uncircumcised, but circumcision sealed his relationship with God. It put a a capper on it. It was something that needed to be done to say, I belong to God and I belong to God exclusively. 
So before then, he would believe God for this, believe him for that. But God said, now it's time for us to make a covenant with each other. We got to get partners in this. You got to give some just like I'm giving some. Amen. It's like your little friends that don't want to confess Christ, don't want to get saved, but they call you for prayer all the time. They want you to do this for them. And that, and they dance. They're just sweating. To Every time they call you, they're sweating. I hope she don't ask me to pray that prayer with her. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. They'll live off you for a long time. Huh? And until God say drop them, you know, you just go, hey, what, what you need now, you know? Amen. Longing for the day when finally they seal the deal. So circumcision really sealed the deal. Abraham belonged to God. God belonged to him. And there was nothing that could divide that. And he says he received the the uh, of the faith that he had yet being uncircumcised. This faith allowed him to be the father of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. So Abraham is the father of all who trust God by faith because he started the whole thing. He was the first in the Bible that we see that God just plucked out of nowhere and caused him to walk with him, trusting him, obeying God when God would show up. When he didn't show up, he did he did his normal life, but every time God showed up for Abraham, Abraham responded. And then one day God said, okay, I'll cut a deal with you. We're going to do this. You're going to, you're going to be the father of all those who will believe me. And if he's the father, then he's our, our leader, our head, progenitor, the one who started it all. And as his children, we have an inheritance coming from him, from his life. Amen. So this is how we have our faith. We are not people of weak faith. We're not people of little faith. We're not people of wavering faith. We are people of strong faith. Amen. And we need to start thinking about ourselves that way. Because if you would replace that thought with thoughts of, that come to you when it seems like it's taking a while for you to get your promise. Instead of saying, what's something wrong with my faith? I mean, what's, do I have enough faith? And Stop doing that. You know, and the devil, he does it to everybody. You understand what I'm saying? And you need to stand up and say, you know what, devil, I have strong faith. My faith is not weak. It's not failing me. This is the faith of the Son of God. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and he's the one who's standing up inside of me and declaring the word and speaking the word. Amen. He's standing up in me, declaring those things. So take yourself out of it. You believe God, and that's your righteousness. So it's the faith of the Son of God. Well, I don't say it off enough. We'll say it some more. (laughs) Stop your whining. (laughs) Amen. You got nothing to whine about. Uh 
So he says, and the father of, of circumcision, to them that are not of the circumcision, that's us only, but to those who walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So that makes this faith available to everybody. It didn't start after Abraham walked 12 years with God and circumcised himself. It was in operation from day one that he met him. It says, for the promise that he should be heir of the world. Why don't you scribble out he and put I. I am heir of the world. You are heir of the world. We are heir of the world. Now, how did that happen? You mean he gave Abraham the whole world? Woo-wee! When Abraham came back from the war with the kings, and he said, I... I will not take anything from anybody. He says, because I serve God, the possessor of heaven and earth. That really meant he's my father and I possess heaven and earth. Because then why, how, why would he for, why would he forfeit something unless he knew he had higher riches? You got me? It's like, I don't need y'all stuff. I own what you got and, and some more too. See? Let me find that. I think it's Genesis. It's either 15, 13, 16. One of them teens. Fourteen. Yeah, this is before he meets Melchizedek. And that, that seals it as far as what he possesses. His connection to God Almighty. And... and so it says here, this, these, this was a war that Abraham fought to rescue Lot, his nephew. And it says here, um, verse 8, And there went out of the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adma, the king of whoever they were, and they joined battle with them in the vale of Siddim and Chedorlaomer, Ched- Doralemer, the king of Elam, and Tidal, the king of nations, and all these are, this is him subduing nations, subduing kings. And the veil of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they remained fled, and, they, and the, those that remained fled to the mountains. They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their 
victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre. And Abram heard that his brother was taken captive. He armed his servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them to Dan. And he divided himself against them and his servants and smote them, pursued them. And he brought back all the goods and brought also again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And then the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter and of the other kings. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be Abraham, amen, of the Most High. Abraham belongs to the Most High. Now, a lot of people think that they're talking about God being possessor of heaven and earth, but he's also referring to Abram as possessor of heaven and earth. Because here it says in in uh, Romans chapter 4 that he was heir of the world. So that means we are heirs of the world. Otherwise, how could Jesus say, go ye into all the world, if it doesn't belong to us? You have any trouble going up to somebody, the only thing that stops you from praying for somebody in your supermarket is you get a little nervous. And once the anointing comes over you in the full, that leaves. You get used to yielding to the anointing. You go up to anybody and talk to them about God you want to. And anything else. Without fear. Without Fear of reprisal without stopping. You don't stop to say, can I talk to somebody? And I don't know if I can go up to these people or not. Nothing stops us. So we must know we own something. You must know you have the freedom to deal in certain things on the earth. Amen. Abraham really is a man who believes God is only receiving what was stolen from Adam. Didn't Adam own the whole world? Then that's what we have. Well, think about it. I mean, let let your head bounce, let your brain bounce inside your skull for a few days. Doesn't God say nothing will be impossible to us if we believe him? I mean, what more could you, what he could tell you that you have that you don't, that you think you need to have? If you possess the whole world, certainly you can get your bills paid. If you possess the whole world, your kids will have a decent education. And you'll have a nice, comfortable place to live. If you, if you possess, possessor of heaven and earth, nobody really knows if, if uh, Melchizedek was speaking of God or of Abraham. In that passage. If it was God. Somebody would have put a big P on there. Mine has a little P. (laughs) But he is blessed Abraham. Of 
the Most High God. Son of, heir of the Most High God. And he is the possessor of heaven and earth. He says, and blessed be the Most High God. Amen. Which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Amen. So tithing didn't start and didn't end with with the old covenant. That's just been a time honored way of preserving. It, it's it's a way to give honor to the person that you give it to. Amen. Some people give it to the dope man. That's why they say stay stuck on drugs forever. Amen. <laughs> God will bless you. <laughs> Amen for it. Amen. So it says in verse 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So through Jesus Christ, who is the seed of Abraham, the one seed, not the many seeds, the seed that we're talking about, he is the seed of Abraham, then we are heirs of the whole world. Amen. We get back what was stolen from Adam. So if you have dominion, you have rulership, you have possession. Amen. You don't have dominion for just saying it. Let us make man in our image and let him have dominion over what we delegate to him, which was the earth. It got stolen in the garden by the serpent. He became small God of this world. Satan can't do anything that God doesn't give permission for him to do or relegate to him or leave to him. So God blocks Satan out and gives us airship of the world again. So our dominion for the kingdom of God is restored through us. The seed of Abraham. That's why our faith is unlimited. Because we have to be equipped to do everything. If God says he, he tells you to go into all the world and do these things, you got to be equipped to do it. So you got to know what you have. you got to know what your entitlement is. you got to know what you have inherited from this man Abraham. He says, because if they which are of the law are heirs, then your faith is voided. God doesn't want to void faith out because it's available to everybody. Everybody has the ability to believe. Amen. He says, because the law works wrath for where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure. So this levels the playing field. This evens everything out. This makes everything equal for everybody. Faith makes it equal for everybody. There's no such thing as you can't attain to a certain level of faith. You've got it already. All you got to do is start putting it to work to find out what it does. Amen? And he says... It, it will make the promise, faith makes the promise sure to all the seeds. So we all have the same capability in God. 
not only to that which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So that word father means you have an inheritance coming from him. He didn't leave you without something. He left you the greatest commodity he could have left you, and that was his faith. You see, you see this faith that worked for me, that, that caused me to, to almost kill your brother, <laughs> and then God stopped me? That's the kind of faith I give you. That means that's daredevil faith. That means you dare the devil to push you out on that limb. And when you get out there, the everlasting arms are there to... Huh? If God says step out, you step out. Amen? You know, we, we kind of like criticize Peter because what he couldn't do. But look at what he could do. See, it wasn't even Jesus' idea for him to step out of the boat. He came up with that himself. You ever come up with an idea and you wonder how God let that work? Same way he let Peter's work. See, if you, if you get your own crazy idea and step out of what you think is faith and start working it for a minute and you mess up, he'll catch you. He won't let you drown in your own behavior. Some of us got closets full of stuff. We don't know if it's stuff we stole back in the day or this so-and-so's coach. He keep asking me if I got it. It's back here after all. Oh my goodness. He ain't turning you in. Huh? <laughs> So Abraham is the father of us all as it is written. I have made thee. I have made you. I did it. God says I did it. And what I do nobody can undo. He's made us righteous. And what he's done nobody can undo. Amen. He says I have made you a father of many nations. And that means people that we go out, people you go out and witness to. Those are the many nations that he's the father of. Amen. You're just bringing them into a realization of their adoption. He says, before whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they are. So we are heirs of the whole world. And you can have peace when you say that. Ah, uh, we own the world. Amen. The Bible even goes further to say the meek shall inherit the earth. Those who humble themselves before God, they own everything. So we are the final heirs of this world. Period. It stops with us. God expects us to go out and run things. That means go gather the harvest that's out there. 
That's how you run stuff. By making disciples of all men. By telling them the good news. That they can walk away from sin forever. And live as righteous people. No past. Nothing gaining on them. Nothing running after them. Amen. So he says here. Also. God quickens the dead. Calling things that be not as though they were. Jesus demonstrated that over and over again. Amen. Speaking, raising the dead. Peter raised the dead. Nothing wrong with Peter's faith after Calvary, was there? Right. He had received his inheritance. Amen. The day you're born again, you receive your inheritance of faith. It's not just, listen, you don't, heaven doesn't become your home and be more real to you than where you live with weak faith. Huh? With where is your faith? Amen. It only, those things only happen with the Abraham brand of faith. See, you, you say, people say, well, you say, I'm saved. Well, what's that mean? That means I'm not going to hell when I die. I'm going to heaven. You've never seen heaven. You've never been there. You've never seen hell. You've never been there. But you have total confidence of where you go and where you belong and whose you belong to. Amen. That's the Abraham brand of faith. Only his faith can do that. To the thing that calls those things that be not as though they are. I am in heaven right now. That's my home. Amen. It's a real place and I'm headed there. But I have as much heaven in me right now as anybody can have while living on earth. Because I got the Holy Ghost in me. And he assures me of all spiritual things. Amen. So, So we are... Calling those things that be not as though they are. We do it with heaven, but we have a hard time doing it with health. Huh? (laughs) You call yourself healed, and next minute you patting yourself down, trying to see where the symptoms are, and how you feel. Huh? It's a challenge. Becomes a challenge to you, but it's not a challenge to your faith. Just have to learn how to work with your faith. So Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. So you can do that. Because you have his faith. There's no reason we can't do that. Against hope, believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall your seed be. Now. People will say stuff like, well, that was for Abraham. No, that's for me. That's definitely for me. I've been in so many what look like hopeless situations and had to override the hopeless feeling and the the fact that nothing was visible to make it look like it was going to turn around. So I've I've hoped against hope. You got me? When natural hope is gone, you hope again. And then you step into the supernatural hope that's your inheritance. It belongs to you. You should be able to use that hope whenever you need to. 
Whenever the natural dries up, you should be able to hope again and put your faith behind it. The cruise of oil didn't fail and the barrel of meal did not run dry. It's hope against hope. You see the Abraham brand of faith popping up all over the Bible. Amen. Because that was what they received when they needed it. They needed to believe God. The Abraham brand of faith focuses on the kingdom at all times. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the focus of the Abraham brand of faith. That faith is unlimited in its ability to do good and to bring the word of God to pass. Amen. So he was not weak in faith. Amen. He considered not his own body. I'm going to say it again. He considered not his own body. Now dead. Nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, many times we consider how we feel too much. You'll never get healed if every time you get an ache or a pain in your body, you wonder where it's coming from. Amen. Now, see, people, pass you by. I can't do this. I can't do this. Shut up. Quit whining. Why are you defending the devil's works? You want to hang on to sickness? What are you saved for? Just like you ignore your husband when he tell you to get up and get him a drink of water, you can. This ain't new to nobody to consider not. It's done. Too, it's raining too hard to go across the street to the Y. I just have to, I have to stay put. I have to stay put and work with it. Huh? Or ignore your boss when they tell you to do stuff you don't want to do. Keep putting it off, put, throw it in the bottom drawer and put it totally out your mind and it don't even pop up no more again. Huh? So come on, consider not we good at it. We are good at it already. So this don't even take no practice to. So what do you consider? You consider the word of God. Instead of meditating on how it feels, how where it came from, where how you feel today. Oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Let me tell you. (laughs) Could we cue Mr. James Brown, please? 
Huh? Yeah, I feel good. <laughs> I know so well you would. Amen. Absolutely. <laughs> really, attention is the key to your victory. Whether you know it or not. What you pay attention to is the key to your victory. Well, you know, I, I don't want to be in denial. You won't be. Hmm? You do, Are you in denial when you hide stuff from your boss at work that you don't want to do? Oh, you know what that stuff is. You just don't consider it important. Right. Proverbs 4.20 tells you to attend to God's word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't listen to anything else but what I tell you. That's what God's telling us. So this is why faith is so important. That we have to mix God's word with faith and attend only to the word. He says you're healed. That's all you think about. Oh, a new pain hits you. You're still healed. Amen. You're healed, period. Act like it all the time. Don't just be healed, period, when you when you have that t-shirt on. Be healed in a, if a new pain hits you. Well, see, this ain't the old pain. This is a new pain. Are you sure? What's his name? The devil's the devil. If he can keep you entertained by jumping all over your body with a new pain and you keep thinking it's something different. What you pay attention to. And let me just, let me just get this cleared up. Denial ain't fatal. Whatever that means to anybody. Huh? You know, people will, oh, well, you don't want to be in denial. Why not? Huh? It's my business. I know one thing, I ain't putting my faith in this pain. And it better leave here in Jesus' day. You know, if it gets too intense, you know how to shut everything down and put that word on 24-7. And make that bad boy leave. Amen. See, faith is very important, folks. If what we believe, what we hear must be mixed with faith in order for the kingdom to manifest. You've got to mix the word that you hear with faith all the time. You can't let your mind grab onto a scripture and start arguing with it. You've got to cast down them arguments and imaginations. And you just got to receive the raw written word of God just the way it's written. Amen. So what are some of the things, hindrances to your faith, things that block your faith? Number one, your carnal thinking. Amen. 
uh, when when uh, Israel left Egypt, Pharaoh said that the Israelites were entangled in the land. And I always think about that when I think about how your carnal mind will grab on to the word of God and want to wrestle with it and argue with it. Well, God couldn't mean that. Well, see, that's, it, it, that don't mean that. And it is, it, see, that's the first thing that will happen when you start engaging to hearing the word of God. You'll find some opposition in your brain that will either deny it or disqualify it as being relevant for your life. So you're going to have to fight that thing. You're going to have to wrestle it down and say, no brain. We're receiving the word of God. We're not arguing with God's word. We're going to receive this word. Amen. If you have questions about God's word, he will answer your questions. As long as you're attempting to believe. Now, if you want to tell God what to think and what to do, you you know, <laughs> more power to you if you think that'll work. But, but. Submission means allowing the word of God to minister to you, allowing it to come into your heart, mixing it with faith so that it will produce for you. Amen. So your carnal thinking will block your faith. It will hinder that word from getting deposited fully in your heart. Amen. Being centered on the things of this world or self-centered. Those kinds of thoughts always oppose the word of God. When we approach God's throne, we must approach in righteousness. That means casting down imaginations, purifying our hearts before him, asking forgiveness for our sins, all of that. And and once righteousness is imputed to you, then that's when the pure thoughts come. That's when God can expand on what you know and what he's speaking to you. He can He can embellish it. He can give you understanding of it. He can give you clarification. He can give you all those things. But as long as you got thoughts in there that want to challenge, content, well, what about, what about this? Well, what about, well, God, if I'm healed, why is, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to settle it once and for all. You're healed. And then he builds on that. But he's not going to build on what about this and why is this and what is that. You're either healed or you're on. Anybody can make a decision to believe God's word. It's just a decision. Amen. You know, even if you do have symptoms, you know, at the end of the day, well, God, I choose to believe your word is true. Amen. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. I I choose to believe your word's true. Amen. And that's good enough for God, you know, for the time being. <laughs> but but meditate more. Hide it in your heart more. Allow that word to to enrich you. Enrich your soul. Let your thoughts be pure. Let your thoughts be holy. Let your thoughts be of good report. Thank worthy and praiseworthy things. Why well, run around confused and worrying about things all the time? Amen. Let your heart and your mind be peaceful. Amen. Let tranquil thoughts. I know it'll seem like you visited somebody else's brain, but let the tranquil thoughts come. Amen. Keep you at peace. God has a covenant of peace with us. 
which means that he promises us peace for a reason. That means that he's not angry at us anymore. He's not out to punish us. We can trust him. But also peace becomes our umpire to let us know if the thoughts we think are safe or unsafe for us. So if you have a thought that disturbs your peace, you need to renounce it. And God, I don't want to think like this. Please forgive me for letting my thoughts run rampant and thinking you're not going to take care of me, thinking I can't. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And allow the peace to settle in on you. That's why the Bible instructs us if we, if we need anything, you know, if you want anything, let your request be made known to God. Don't go asking anybody else. And ask, and, and at the end of the conversation, God will give you his handshake, which is peace. Which says, I heard you. I'm sending it. I'm making it. I got it for you. It's coming. It's here. It's on the way. It, that's what that means. That means that he is working that thing out for you. And that's why you have peace. Because you know it's taken care of. But until you get that peace... You've got to stay in the word. You've got to stay before God. If your mind keeps rambling on and you've got to, you've got to somehow win that war of a disturbed mind. He died to heal your mind. He died to give you his mind. That's our inheritance. We have the mind of Christ. We just have to learn how to access it. Amen. Think, think thoughts of Him. Lovely, pure, good report, praiseworthy, thankworthy. Amen. Amen. So, so we have to put away a lot of things from our mind that will disturb our mind. Lack is one of the things that we have to put out of our minds. God, I thank you for provision. I thank you for abundance. I thank you, Lord, that I don't see it, but it's there. Cause you tell me it's there. And I trust your word. Amen. So, so, like for instance with Job. Job, they say, never sinned with his mouth. Amen. Even though he went through all of that with the, his detractors and uh, defending himself and all that, what, what he did was, was an attempt, I believe, to preserve what little faith he had in God. Because if you think about it, everybody was questioning why he was sick. You understand me? And he was fending that off the best he could, but he never said God did this to me. He never said that there was anything wrong. So while these others were goading him and, and, and evil in their intent, Job never was. And so Job was Ava under this pressure, you know? Like 30 chapters of mental bombardment. And he held up under it and still maintained his integrity before God. And he was before Abraham was, you know, we believe. So, but, but faith in God is faith in God. I mean, it's available to those who believe. But, but 
we have to realize that what we go through sometimes that we think is so, so, you know, the drama queens and kings, you know, we think everything's so bad. It's nothing compared to some of these people that we see as examples for us who have overcome. Job overcame and he was still able to love and pray for his friends after all of that was done. He, he bore no ill will against them. Amen. He went through what he went through because he was righteous. And we scared of a little bit of I'm going to pay my gas bill, God. Oh, I forgot. I got money in the bank. You understand? So he's so, so accustomed to panicking over everything. Amen. So another hindrance is a divided heart. Huh? It's having a plan B that we trust in instead of being all in with God. Total surrender. That means you don't have any plans to do anything until God gives you the go-ahead. Amen? You have to be like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen? Natural hope is also an enemy of our faith. When we know we can get our needs met, through other means, you know, pills, surgery, supplements, liposuction, plastic surgery, whatever you got. <laughs> Even the things that we need for health can be overrated and overemphasized. Amen. They have a, a tendency to take over our thinking. You know, you'll see people on Facebook promoting things they're selling and products and they never supposed to be ministers and never promoted the gospel like that. You know, they're willing to make enemies for what they're doing as far as natural things are concerned. But afraid to witness to family members or, you know, anything like that. Another hindrance is if you have ought against any. Amen. If you have anything against any. Mark eleven twenty four tells us. If you have ought against any forgive. So that your father who is in heaven can forgive you. Amen. Gotta keep a clean heart. God, that's the easiest um, access to God that there is. Is loving him and loving other people. Amen. Easy access. He'll always hear you, always answer you, give you the whole enchilada, everything that you need, and then some. Amen. Abraham overcame many things. He didn't consider any more the things that were hindering his faith. Considered not his own body, now dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. So it's what you consider it's what you hold against yourself. It's what you hold against others. No. As believers, we have to be careful holding things against ourselves. 
And sometimes we think it sounds holy to beat ourselves up when we do something wrong, but really you're supposed to confess it, receive your forgiveness, and move on. God can't do anything with you if you like beating yourself up. Huh? He'll just leave you right there until you get some sense about yourself. Amen. Amen. So Abraham was able to overcome all of these blockers to his faith. The most important one was considering not. See, the discipline of what you let grow in your mind, and then it has the opportunity to grow in your heart, makes all the difference in the world. There are some thoughts you can't afford to entertain. You, you understand me? It, it's it's best if you you know you hear somebody complain about somebody. Just keep moving. You, you understand what I'm saying, or or getting involved, entangled in people's controversies uh, with things. You know, it, it's there's such an opportunity now to get into strife about any and everything, about nothing. Uh, we don't. We are not people who foment strife. We're people of peace. And and God wants to bring us into a greater peace and a greater level of faith in him so that we can get the gospel done. I know we say that a lot of times and it sounds kind of small sometimes, but it is the way that we inherit the whole world. It's the souls in the world that God's after. That's our real inheritance. Amen. That's what he wants us to be about. Period. And until we get that in us, quit chasing things. Let them chase you. Just go obey God and watch them chase you. Amen. He'll do those things. He'll be true to his word if we'll be true to him. But putting him first, surrendering everything. Amen. Make a covenant with yourself this year. Be more diligent in your prayer life. Be more diligent in your church attendance. Come every time there's service. Come on time. Come paying attention and doing what God sets forth to do. Because I can't guarantee you churches are going to fill up or anybody new's going to come in anywhere, but I can guarantee you this. If you obey God and surrender to Him totally, He will keep his word to you. Amen. You don't know what's going on in the world. We may be the remnant that's left that he'll use to do the works that he's promised to do in the earth. But the only thing you can do is obey him at every juncture and every turn. Don't forsake assembling yourselves together. Don't sit up at home and and go and get on Facebook or YouTube and watch the service from the comfort of your bedroom or wherever you are. Get out and get into the atmosphere where God wants to meet his people. Amen. Don't let this quote-unquote pandemic be an excuse for letting a lot of things go. I don't care what people around you are doing. There are a lot of people that need to be here that aren't. That should be here that aren't. You can't do anything about that. The only thing you can do is quit looking at them and stay focused on what God has you to do. 
so that you're not numbered among those people. Amen? You don't know what God's doing for those people to get them back to where they belong. Amen? And so we have to be just stay focused, stay diligent. The faith of Abraham is there for us to do everything that God wants us to do. Amen? Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, you can come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God. Amen.